Welcome to Get Behind Fanny, a podcast dedicated to the behind-the-scenes stories of the music, the members, and the musicians influenced by the rock group Fanny, the godmothers of women who rock. Hey, everybody, and welcome to another Get Behind Fanny podcast. I am Byron Wilkins, Fanny fan and webmaster of the official Fanny website, FannyRocks.com. And joining me on these audio adventures are Fanny's drummer, Alice DeBure, and daughter of Fanny's manager, Roy Silver, and historian, Dr. Kristen Hilaire Glasgow. And hello, ladies. Hey, Byron. <laughs> hey, Byron. <laughs> so we're just going to start off with today's podcast with a huge shout out to a rock and roll band called Portobello Express. And I don't know if anybody has listened to our episode five podcast and if they remember that we talked about Charity Ball, which is the outro of this Mm -hmm. podcast, but also that the original lyrics were X-rated and we (laughs) put it out there that somebody should cover the song. And sure enough, Portobello Express did. (laughs) And it is so cool. And they did a fantastic rendition. They didn't do the X-rated lyrics, unfortunately, Uh. but I have to say they really, really got this one. What do you think, Alice? They nailed it. I think happy, happy Betty's vocals on mm. this are Incredible. amazing and it's a rocking good cover of charity ball oh, yeah. i think they I, did a great job i agree her vocals really really are incredible yeah. on this song yeah. yes yeah. and also uh we found a, I found a cover of blind alley over by the a group called the whatever glaze and whatever glaze is just like a great name for a band. it really is <laughs> but they uh but they also did a great job of covering blind alley i thought it was pretty cool yeah, they did. And it was it was heavier. Um, mm-hmm. It was loud. It was more true, probably. The little snippet I could hear because I didn't get the whole version. Mm-hmm. But four guys, two gals, and they nailed it also. It was cool. cool. It was fun. Yeah, cool. I love this. I, I hope more bands cover Fanny songs. One of our loyal podcast listeners, Mia, said that she thinks the next cover song of Fanny should be Shade Me. Yeah, which is cool. on yeah, yeah, which is on the first Fanny self-titled album. And yes. I agree. I think that would be a great version. We're going to get to that song in a couple of episodes. So with this idea of cover songs, let's transition to this week's Fanny songs that we're covering, one of which Fanny owns on the cover of Stephen Stills' Buffalo Springfield Special Care. Mm-hmm. Can't wait to get to this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we're also doing an, a Fanny original, Solid Gold, which mm-hmm. Alice does the vocals on, which um. ended up that <laughs> we're going to get there. Alice. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the reason why we're saying this about covers is Keith Moon ended up covering Solid Gold, he a did. Fanny song. Mm. Yep, he did. And so... I did a little bit of sleuthing on the reviews for this song, Alice, and I did this primarily for you because I know that this is painful to listen to for you. It certainly can be. And the Vinyl Vindicator on YouTube wrote in 2014, he put up Solid Gold on YouTube and he wrote, quote, this jam was not on here. So I decided to throw it up because I think it's a really great and overlooked song. Great vibe. You can hear them having a good time. And it's produced by Todd Rundgren off the Mother's Pride album. And Alice, before we hear a little bit of it, just to set the stage, I wanted to read you what the reviewers felt seeing this posting of Solid Gold. One person wrote about a year ago, quote, this is a 90s alternative 20 years ahead of its time. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Isn't that great? Yeah. And then another person wrote, quote, and this was about a year ago, same time, quote, this is indisputably the greatest rock song of all time. 
close oh, quote. That's yep. <laughs> and I will close with this one. John Carver on YouTube from 10 months ago also said, quote, I love the way she sings this. It really fits the sarcastic tone of the lyrics. Such mm. a great band. Ah. So <laughs> let's set the stage and listen to the first music clip of Solid Gold. It's number one. And so, Alice, (laughs) since we've been sharing secrets on this podcast, Mm -hmm. I want you to finally reveal to the many Fanny fans who have written in about Solid Gold, how did you prepare to sing the vocals on this song? Especially (laughs) considering that you do not consider yourself a singer, but a drummer. Right. I, I was not a singer. I always wanted to be. I mean, my my dream was to wake up in the morning and sing like Aretha Franklin. Well, that never happened. <laughs> but um, I actually drank the better part of a fifth of Southern Comfort, which wow. was my drink at the time. And I can't touch it now. It's so sweet. Hmm. But I look back at um, this attempt, if you will, with 2020 years. And I realized that I was really brave to even do this. Oh, yeah. You know, I mean, it, I had no problem as nervous as I was before I went on stage. Once I sat down behind my drums, I was there. Everything was cool. I knew I could do what I was going to do. But it took me, you know, the better part of uh, fifth of Southern Comfort to get prepped for this, and the really cool thing is, uh, while we were are, were recording this podcast, I get an email, <laughs> and it's from a fella named uh, Stephen Lawrence Mitchell, and mm-hmm. he says, "Hey Alice, spill it. Weren't you the <laughs> cool chick of the four of you?" And I sure. I want to say, well, all of us were cool in our own ways, but oh, anyway, yeah. he says, also really now you can tell me, I'm a fan. Don't you sing sing solid gold every time you have a beer? (laughs) (laughs) And I say, well, maybe every time I have two vodka tonics, I might hum a few bars, you know. But how timely is that? My God, that's incredible! Do 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 do. That's amazing. (laughs) Right out of the Twilight Zone, man. Solid gold in the ether. I love it. Yeah. But Alice, again, I mean, I I so get the feeling of insecurity, even though I love the song and I love your vocals on it. But the reviews back in the day, I I feel at least a few of the male critics really got the sarcasm, the humor, and that these these guys knew you as a band and were fans. Well, and before you go on, you have Mm -hmm. to understand, and we haven't told the on the on the podcast this that I got skewered by the critics in America, especially. And it was, you know, we can do without Alice DeBure tiptoeing the lines between sharp and flat, Um, you know, and it just, it was, I knew when I sang it, I knew I was going to get screwed, but I didn't realize how much it was going to hurt. Well, you had said something 
interesting, Alice, before when we were chatting about this, that you were very well received in the UK, whereas the US seemed to have taken you either not seriously or too seriously. Right. Yeah, we were. They they embraced us. They did. Well, one of your critics in the UK, and we've brought him up in a previous podcast, Charles Shar Murray, wrote in 1973 when Mother's Pride was released, he had in all caps, four-star fanny. And he, he wrote, quote, there's a lovely song sung by Alice, Solid Gold, which Nikki wrote a long time ago and has always wanted to record. Close quote. But I love that at one point he referred to your vocal as, quote, deranged. Oh, gosh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, definitely. I, I can hear that. It was it could t- easily be taken as deranged as opposed to inebriated. Well, I feel that was Nikki's intent. Is, and the reason why she wanted you to sing this was that kind of deranged punk vocal, right? Oh, yeah. She, she, she wanted this song to, she wanted me to sound or the vocals to sound like a 13 or a 14 year old punk kid. And I obliged <laughs> with the help of some Southern comfort. I was going to say, with the help of a fifth. <laughs> yeah. Well, I loved talking to June and Jean about Solid Gold this week. So let's listen to what they had to say. I was surprised that Alice did hit a bunch of those, you know, what we would call high notes. So I think the critics were just either they were ready to have a backlash against us or uh, they didn't want to like anything that Fanny did. For then the critics would say we weren't popular enough to make fun of ourselves. I thought that was really cruel. I don't know what what that means, we're not big enough, big enough to make fun of ourselves. That was so unnecessary. But, you know, critics are critics. That's what they do. Well, and I, I, you know, I would say it had something to do with the fact of your gender. Because, I mean, you know, they, they I think, were tra- taking you too seriously to, and then mocking you for it. I don't know. There just seems to be such a two-sidedness to that critique when other male bands... Yeah could absolutely have done that and people would have understood it, including many of those who were now inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. (laughs) Well, yeah. You know what? What you just said that you think maybe the critics were taking themselves too seriously. I love that. (laughs) I hadn't thought of it. I had not thought of that. (laughs) So F you, critics. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) See, we all swear. Well, we do. F, F you. I know what she meant. Maybe she didn't say it, but we all swear. Yeah. That's right. Well, I can tell you that at least this fan uh, got it, it, that it was a tongue-in-cheek song back in the day, and that you guys were knocking the music industry, and I thought, you know, the vocal was right on, you know, spot on for, hey, we're making fun of this, we're doing all this stuff. Now, did I realize you were drunk? No, I was, I was like 16, you know, 16, and... I wasn't allowed to drink Southern Covered. <laughs> but I also think it's pretty rotten of any critic to attack an artist like that, um, particularly, you know, uh, on, a, on a singing and stuff like when you normally, you know, you're a drummer. It'd be one thing to critique your drumming, but, you know, come on, you, you, Ringo's the worst, one of the worst singers around, you know, and no one attacked him. And well, I mean, people commented about it, but not the way, not yeah. cruelly the way they, they attacked you cruelly. And I think that, and as an artist, I know how it feels to have your heart ripped out when someone does that, when it's a cruel intent, not a constructive. Right. There's a big difference. So yes, F you critics. <laughs> and that's, Byron, that is such a good point. You know, constructive versus just being cruel. 
Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, well, another another uh, music reviewer in the UK in March of 1973, Steve Peacock, wrote a glowing review of the song and your vocals. And he too, like Byron, absolutely got it. So in an article titled Solid Gold Fanny, he wrote... Solid Gold is a sardonic, witty song about the hit parade sung by Alice Dubure, who courageously leaps through a couple of octaves, almost, and, <laughs> and walks the melody like a tightrope with perfect dip-dips and ooh in the background. Close quote. I love that. Ah, did any of you pick up on the um, instrument in the background? The the higher pitch? Yeah. Yeah, the glockenspiel. (laughs) I'm sorry to giggle like a 10-year-old. Can you explain what a glockenspiel is? Well, on I tip my hat to you captains of industry, Todd overdubbed a glockenspiel. And a glockenspiel is like a xylophone. It's upright. Mm. It's in the same layout as a keyboard of maybe two octaves of little metal bars that are all tuned like a piano and you play it with a a hard plastic mallet so it gives that ding 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 you know and Mm it's Todd did it he had to overdub it but um, June on her guitar part in the first uh, the beginning of the first two verses, she does that thing where she's high up on the neck and you just r- barely touch the, pick the string and it gives you yeah. that same high ping. Har- harmonics. Yeah, they harmonics. Harmonics. yeah, thank you. Yeah. So let's hear what June had to say. I was also listening to the backing track and I think the backing track to Solid Gold is really great. The drums sound great. <laughs> Gene is playing in top form. And um, I like my, uh, I have like this lick going, uh, you know, I wasn't playing just like rhythm. I was playing these licks throughout the song. And I love the lick that I did at the beginning of each verse. So, you know, I find actually a lot more positive in the whole thing um, than negative. But if people weren't ready to like us, you know, then there was nothing we could do. I hit it's some great. of those notes. <laughs> <laughs> Almost. <laughs> Almost. <laughs> yeah. It's such a catchy tune, though. And again, if you don't get the sense of humor of the song, then you're really... <laughs> to hell with you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and June's rhythm in the beginning, she's more in line with the melody of the song. And then in the third verse, her rhythm, she chooses some really melodic 
cords a little bit higher up the neck and mm -hmm. um, taking different steps, if you will, that really, mm -hmm. really, really add to the verse. And when I spoke to June and Jean this week about Keith Moon's cover of Solid Gold, we had a really funny exchange, and I would love for the two of you and everybody to listen to it. Yeah, well, I think you, we also need to say that when um, the Keith Moon version was done, after June and I left the band, it was the, the latter version of Fanny that backed him on that track. So oh, let's, wow. yeah, let's listen to what June and Jean had to say, Byron. I want to ask, what was Keith Moon's version like? What was his vocal <laughs> like on that song? I never heard it. Well, I'll be honest, I haven't heard it either. I just was told uh, when Alice and I, when I was reading off of her liner notes from the CDs, she's the mm -hmm. one who said the Who's, the Who's Keith Moon covered it. <laughs> and I've heard from your, your Fanny fans that Keith Moon's uh -huh. version is just awful because, and here's <laughs> the irony, because he takes himself seriously <laughs> when doing the song. <laughs> So, in other words, this is kind of the whole thing is kind of a Rubik's Cube or a Chinese puzzle. It keeps <laughs> folding into itself, right? Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. There's no right answer. There is no right answer. I mean, basically, people didn't like it, you know, but except our fans, which is, hey, thank you, fans. We love you for that. Yeah. And you're welcome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Keith Moon, it's like I said, it was... Um, we're number one on the oh, yeah. local radio to oh, the Hall no. of Fame will be named. I, I, you know, I can't listen to his version. I've heard it once and oh, uh, God. Yeah. Pass. You know, Ex yeah, God. exactly. Stick the drumming, Keith. I anyway. would have rather heard William Shatner do that cover. I mean, come oh, on. My God. <laughs> yeah, that would have worked. Yeah. Why? Yeah. <laughs> but Alice, you're saying it's funny, but I don't think he... Did he mean it to be funny? Um, I think you could hear it and say, yeah, I think you could. Okay. okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I think he was kind of making fun of it too, you know, although he had so, been a number one band. Yeah. Again, missing the, the irony there. <laughs> yeah. Right. Exactly. And in addition to the great, the music on the song, I, again, Nikki's lyrics are so clever, multiple layers of meaning here. And one of the lines that you sing, Alice, about wanting the life of luxury, so don't punk out. And again, as you had mentioned, she wanted you to sound like a punk kid. Yep. <laughs> so yeah. again, multiple meanings. June referred to this as, again, another version of Fanny's proto-punk. And Alice, as you had said earlier that you in terms of doing the vocals, not only prepared with a fifth of Southern comfort, but that you also wanted everybody out of the studio. You wanted to do the vocals without the other band members there. Yeah. And when I asked June and Jean about that, I, I want you to listen to what they had to say. Alice remembers that one agreement she made is she would do the vocals after drinking the fifth of Southern comfort, but she also made sure that you, that both of you and Nikki were locked out of the recording yeah, studio. That's that's what I remember is that I, we were not present for that vocal. Alice really, really didn't want an audience. I don't blame her at all. <laughs> I don't remember any of it. <laughs> well, maybe I mean, backup part, it feels a little bit familiar. I don't play, remember playing my fabulous guitar part or, you know, Jean's playing her ass off or Fanny off. I don't remember any of it. So that's kind of interesting. Uh, 
to listen to it now, what, 40 years later or today? I just listened to it today. I don't think I'd listened to it since, uh, you know, since it was mixed. And one of the things is, it's a really good melody. The song is a good song. I mean, melody's real catchy. And I didn't remember the track, but I know we, we everything we did, we put our all into every single thing we did. One of the things I had touched upon in the last podcast was that Nikki writes the lyric, you know, it opens up with it's number one on your local radio to the hall of fame will be named for our contribution. And I was saying yet again, Fanny is so pioneering because the rock and roll hall of fame was a way far distant galaxy at that point. And yet here we are still trying to get Fanny into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame because you're solid gold. And I just I love it for that. And if when you when you are inducted, that is that line I want at least to be read by someone. So (laughs) they better better hurry up, people. Come on. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I have to say that I'm going to go back just a little bit. You damn straight, I locked June and Jean and Nikki out of the studio. There was no way in hell <laughs> I was going to sing that in front of them. You know, I that insecurity sure. was definitely there. But if the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame ever has anything to do with pioneering or breaking barriers or contributions to the history of rock and roll, then yeah, Fanny does deserve to be there. Yeah. And Alice, I just wanted to tell you that June had said about your, your drumming on this. She said, quote, that snare is so fat. It's really cool. Close quote. And I love that. Yeah. I agree with her. Thanks. <laughs> I think the credit goes there to Todd for the sound of the snare. But yeah, fat, fat snare drums are always fun. Fat oh. snare drums is a great band name. <laughs> 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 yes. <laughs> so as we've been doing on this podcast for a while now, let's wait for it. Pivot. Here we go. Pivot. <laughs> <laughs> but what, what we're pivoting to is continuing with the larger theme of this podcast, which is Fanny covering songs and other musicians covering Fanny songs. So we are now going to turn to Special Care, which is a song originally done by Stephen Stills and Buffalo Springfield. But as always, Fanny really makes it their own.
you guys made this so easy on me this time. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Alice, you had said that you remembered Richard Perry, Fanny's producer on the first three Fanny albums, that he was the one that brought the song to the band. Do you remember that? Yeah, as I remember it, Richard brought both Hey Bulldog and Special Care as songs that he thought that would be great for us to do. Um, And it's, you know, we all have different memories, but that was my memory. And I know that uh, June had something to say about Special Care, which brought back a ton of really great memories for me. So let's listen. Yeah, I don't remember uh, Richard in particular uh, suggesting that song. He could have, but I know that we were huge uh, Buffalo Springfield fans. Uh, when we were in the Svelts and we were playing in Montana in the winter, we used to do our gig, come back home to our little you know hut or wherever we were staying, and we would play uh, the entire first uh, album. And um, we had Buffalo Springfield embedded in our veins. We just love them so much. And I'm realizing now how much the electric guitar parts influenced me almost as much as Jimi Hendrix. So um, I really appreciate hearing our version of Special Care. Everyone's playing, as far as I'm concerned, at the top of their game. Gene's bass parts are slamming and Alice is doing her thing. I mean, Nikki is playing parts that, um, you know, speak to the original piano parts. And we went crazy at the end. And Gene's vocal has this conviction, you know, and it totally covers uh, the depth and the breadth of the song. So, I was just really amazed. I put up a, a video on YouTube because I listened to it, and then all of a sudden it's just so, so galvanized to find photos of us, you know. And um, I really like our version. And she's talking about the Svelts in Montana. We played at a place called Monk's Cave in Missoula, Montana. Uh, it was a university town. Monk's Cave was down in the basement, and we stayed in these little cottages that were for the summer. You know, they weren't Mm -hmm. winterized very well, so it was cold. We got sick. I think I had pneumonia two or three times every winter because we played there two or three times every winter, you know. But um, June talks about uh, special care and and Buffalo Springfield. Um, I remember I talked about this a little bit on the Mike DeAngelis show, but that concert, the Buffalo Springfield concert, was my first really official rock concert in Iowa. When I was a junior or a senior in high school, I remember we had to drive two hours to Des Moines to see them live. It was amazing. They were so cool. Wow. And you know what's so interesting about that, Alice, is that June and Jean remember seeing Buffalo Springfield when June was a freshman at UC Davis, which would be about the same time that you were seeing Buffalo Springfield as a senior in high school. Right. And then you all come together in the Svelts, which is a pre-Fanny incarnation. Mm -hmm. And look at how they, not only their influence on you as young people coming of age, but also as musicians. It's fantastic. Let's listen to what June and Jean remembered about it. We just love them too much for you not to get into it. You know what I'm saying? I mean, we really admire them. And in fact, Gene and I saw them uh, at UC Davis when I was going to college there in 66, 66 to 67. And I remember we were standing next to each other and it was all of Buffalo Springfield, you know, and Stephen Stills had that white hat on. I mean, we couldn't believe it. We didn't know who they were. 
And that was the beginning <laughs> of our love affair with Buffalo Springfield. 1966, I was 18, just starting college. Jean was 17, you know, and it was a complete mind blow. That's when we understood what it was like for a band who were totally together, knew what they're doing, put out their intent, and performed it. You know, it was completely mind-blowing. I think that's where we really set our intention of being the best that we could. When we saw those guys, it was like, holy moly, this is the real thing. Before that, it was kind of like, well, we had seen Ike and Tina Turner, but that wasn't a self-contained band. You know, she was shimmying and shaking. He was, like, playing behind her. But this was an entire band in a row on this big stage. It was really incredible. So, uh, you know, that cements it for me. I, I have never um, had more love, I believe, for a band other than maybe the Beatles, you know, uh, for presenting something so good, so good. I, I'm really sorry they broke up. You said Love Jean's wow. voice. Yeah, yeah when incredible. She, when she says "burn your house down," both "burn" and "house," she has a little bit of a "burn," but her it's voice, yeah, her voice yeah. is so strong. When I spoke to her about it this week, I loved what she had to say, and also I loved what June had to say on the overall performance of Fanny on the song. I couldn't agree more with her. Yeah, when I did the vocal, I know that at the time we were really not just well rehearsed, but we did a lot of gigs. So my voice, I think, was in real good shape for making having the growl, having um, really singing out and all that. So I have, I'm confident that at the time I was I was com comfortable with the vocal. I think that the, the with the song it was not only rock and roll, but there are a lot of R and B in that song the yeah. way we play it. So that's right. a, that right. special combination that really makes it different from um, from their version of it. First of all, let me reference Mr. Soul, because I uh, listened to that a couple of years ago in reference to turning my book, Land of a Thousand Bridges, into an audiobook, and I realized, oh my God, that song and that guitar part on Mr. Soul, I've just borrowed that so much, and I was really shocked. It was sort of like realizing how much Jimi Hendrix had, had influenced me. So uh, that would be number one, that I heard him live in 1966. So in whenever that was, 70 or 71, that we, we recorded Special Care. Yes, uh, that went into it. I, I don't remember doing the guitar part. That's the thing. I don't remember recording <laughs> the song. 
Um, I don't remember doing those vocals that went through a Leslie. That's really incredible. That's an incredible. I don't remember Nikki screaming. It's, I mean, how did we do that? You know, I think we only had eight tracks. I don't think there was 16 tracks back then. So we really packed it in and. You can hear that we're having a lot of fun, and we just let it go. We didn't bother to think of, well, what what are people going to think of this? And I love that part. I love that you don't get that question in the performance and listening to it now. I don't think of it at least. I mean, I'm not saying, well, why did Alice do that? Or how could Jean have done that? Or Nikki or whomever, you know? So I think I really did uh, dig into those strings with the maybe unconscious influence of Neil Young, you know, because he really, he really always put it out as well. And I can hear it's kind of an homage to his part, you know, his guitar part. So it's of a piece. Hmm. Interesting. It, well, it, it was recorded on 16 tracks, uh, according oh. to the recording oh. master log. Yep. So, hey, hey. But, you know, it, 16 was just coming in because, I mean, uh, at that time period, four, you went from four track to 16 track in just a couple of years, you know. So it, mm-hmm. I could see the confusion on that. But also, this, this song is on a Buffalo Springfield album, but Stephen still actually plays all the instruments except for the drums which were played by Buddy Miles. Wow, so Buddy Miles. a lot of fans. Yeah, Buddy Miles, I know. It's like, wow. So really a lot of fans consider this more of a Stephen Stills tune, even though it's officially a Buffalo Springfield album. Yeah, I'm hmm. surprised to hear that Buddy Miles played drums on that. I haven't heard his name in so long, but it's oh, yeah. totally, totally believable. That's for <laughs> sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it, uh, it was interesting to me, Kristen, that when you spoke with Jean this past week, that she mm-hmm. thought the vocals were recorded live. And we never, ever, ever, ever recorded <laughs> the vocals the same time we were laying down a basic track. So we, we mm. always overdubbed the vocals. But it is interesting to think that the song, um, that the recording of this song is has such a live feel to it that she would think with 2020 20 ears that it could have been recorded live vocals with the track. Let's listen. I'm pretty impressed, you know, because it sounds, actually the whole recording sounds like it's live. It has a real yeah. live feel to it. The whole ending, you know, we kind of jammed on, right. you know, getting into the rhythm and all that. We must have been doing that live. So that's how yeah, it sounds. And, and Alice didn't even know it's ending. So that last little drum <laughs> thing, I think, is hysterical, you know. I mean, you could tell we were into it. We were into it. And then all of a sudden, we just... <laughs> We just thought that she, there she was still going, you know. <laughs> she's quite the powerhouse drummer, so I love hearing that last lick because she's still in it, you know. Well, I can't say that I was in it, but I remember, you know, when you listen to the song and we're doing that, and I'm doing the blah, 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 on the drums and everything, and then they stopped. <laughs> So I thought thought there was, I thought, you know, we'd all go crash bang done together. Well, no signal. And so I I throw in this little rinky dink riff at the end that embarrasses me to this day. I mean, it's bum bum diddle dum bum. You know, it sounds like like the first riff you'll ever, ever make.
yeah, yeah, pump, pump, diddle, bump, bump, right out there. You know what's interesting? That's true. I was just going to say, listening to it through 20, 20 years, this is a produced song by Richard Perry, Uh but it's very unlike his normal style. I agree. And the the bass on the end is louder than it normally would have been for through his ears. And it's like a lead bass part. Sorry. It is like a lead bass part. No, no, absolutely. And I think that's why Gene hears it sounding live. It almost could be. Yeah by the way it was mixed. So I just I wanted to throw that in. Yeah, I love her bass on the end. She climbs up the neck and she's up there oh. high, you know, mm-hmm. and then when, when it gets really chaotic, she's kind of the last one to come in with that do 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 And then she goes back mm-hmm. down and does the same thing. And it's her bass is, is excellent, excellent on this song. And, and speaking of Jean's, uh, Jean's bass, uh, that clip may have been one of our baseline contests uh, and things we had last week. It was? So, so, well, no, I think it may, well, I didn't, we'll find well, it. I didn't have that one on my list. <laughs> but, but I think it's time we uh, have to pick a winner for our second. So who has the hat with all the entries? That would be me. I have the hat. Actually, well, let, me, uh, let me shuffle one for you. There you go. You're shuffling a hat? <laughs> I'm doing the drum roll. Hurry up. Okay. <laughs> I'm getting tired. Uh, okay, okay. Well, uh, well and the winner the is. <laughs> and the winner is. <laughs> apple Scruff. Apple Scruff. Apple Scruff. 909. Congratulations. Thank you. And thank you, Kristen, for finally getting to it. You're welcome. (laughs) I'm out of breath. So, so Apple Scruff, congratulations. You're going to be getting (laughs) the Fanny Fanny Book of Photographs by Linda Wolf, who was a friend and fan of Fanny's way back in the early days at Fanny Hill. And for those that have seen the iconic picture of Fanny sitting in front of the no parking sign with Mickey Mm -hmm. Shelty off to the side, that was taken by Linda Wolf. So congratulations. Yeah, it's very that's exciting. very cool. Very cool. Yep. And, and make sure Apple Scruff to private message me your mailing information. You can make it public if you want people to know, but just in case, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> send it to me privately on Twitter. Yeah. Best, and, best not do that. But Kristen, yeah. our next yes. episode, which is episode 12. Um, Amazing. Yes. Uh, we have a, an election and a, a presidential election coming up on November 3rd. And yes, we while do. we don't talk about politics on the podcast as a rule, we're making an exception this time because this election is so important. Our democracy depends on it that we get people out to vote. Yes, yes it really is. And we're going to be looking at at the political protests and the activism and trying to get out the vote through the lens of Fanny songs. Yeah. So we're very excited about it. We're going to be taking Fanny lyrics and Fanny's songs and looking at them through the political process. Yeah, and that's going to be a real challenge, but I'm really excited to pick Fanny yeah. songs out that tie into Go Vote. So it'll be cool to listen to the music once again with our 2020 years and all that. Yes. So. Yes, yes, in this incredibly important election cycle. So we're excited about this. So join us. <laughs> and until, until then, Byron, why don't you give everyone our social media so I can stop giggling? <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. 
or not. You can can find us on Twitter at rocks underscore Fanny over on Instagram at Fanny rocks underscore 1970 on Facebook as simply as Fanny rock band on YouTube at Fanny rocks and drop by the official Fanny website at Fanny rocks.com. And you can also use these hashtags to ask questions Ask Alice, June Jams, Jean Genie, and Nikki Notes. Well, absolutely good. And <laughs> do contact us. We do answer questions. Oh, we yeah. do. Yeah, we do. Yeah, on the FannyRocks.com website, especially, but also Twitter and Facebook. Yep, exactly. YouTube sometimes when I get there. But <laughs> I really enjoyed this uh, little trip down memory lane. And yeah. June and Jean today were absolutely a joy to be with. It's been really special, and I care about that. But Byron, (laughs) that's a wrap. Pivot. Uh Uh-oh. Hit it. More glockenspiel.